number of wonderful churches filled with godly men and women over the years. I've learned numerous lessons from those with whom I've been privileged to serve. And one evening, I learned an invaluable lesson about the sufficiency of Scripture. And it happened to be from a layman who was my visitation partner. We were following up with a home visit to a couple who had expressed interest in joining the church. The woman and the man had filled out visitors' cards with the same address, but they had different last names. The gentleman wasn't present. The young lady was a bit nervous during our visit. It was obvious she was concerned about her present living conditions, and she wanted a little uh, free counseling. Uh, my friend indicated that he would be willing to stay as long as necessary to help her deal with the issues of concern, but that she first needed to answer a few simple questions to help him determine whether we could be of any help to her. So I listened intently as he patiently asked her three questions. The first, are you certain you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? And her response to that was yes. Number two, do you believe that the Bible is God's word and is sufficient for all our needs? Again, she responded in the affirmative. And then he said, if I show you truth from God's word that deals with the issues that concern you, will you obey them immediately and completely? My friend did not elaborate at this point, but the lady began to claim that we wouldn't understand. She pointed to her financial needs and her loneliness. My friend listened patiently, and then he started again to repeat the three questions. The implication was obvious. If we pointed her to Scripture, which she confessed to be a sufficient guide for life, and she refused to obey God's word, we had no other advice to give. We couldn't help. It'd be like going to the doctor and not listening to, or not following his prescription. One of the most profound truths for the children of Israel is found in Exodus chapter 19. Um, this truth was central to all either the successes or problems they experienced as a nation. And by the way, are experiencing yet today. And what is interesting is that truth is the same truth Christians throughout history have been called upon to do. In fact, that truth is central to our successes or problems we face in life today. And it all relates to one truth that's found in this passage. Now, what message could be so important? What message given to Israel is still for us today and ultimately determines whether our lives are going to be either successful or deemed a failure by God? Well, I'm glad you asked. It's actually found in verse 5 of chapter 19. Now, therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. In that verse, God stated in three words or less, no, in three words, God stated what his intent is and what his demand is for all mankind. And it has been true since Adam 
It will be true for every human being from here on out. It's in three words. God sums it all up. Obey my voice. That's it. Obey my voice. That is the most important thing in life for every human being. It is what we need to follow today. Do you know that the problem, what the problem was with the young lady the pastor visited that day? She wasn't ready to obey his voice. Do you know what the problem was with Adam and Eve in the garden? They didn't obey God's voice. Those three words. Go back to Adam and Eve. They go to the lady that was visited. They were shared with the children of Israel. They apply to our lives today. Obey God's voice voice. You know, I was thinking about this, uh, the book of Exodus, and uh, that statement, I, well, Joel was mentioning it earlier, sometimes things just jump out at you, and they, they stick, you know, in your mind, and as you're going through, and as I was reading through Exodus chapter 19, these three words kept coming back to me, uh, you know, we, we would sometimes use the term that were haunting me, but they weren't, it was just on my mind, and it was something that I was having trouble, you know, getting out of my mind, and uh, really, God has driven home that thought, uh, and I want to just spend a little bit of time with, with you on it tonight, because I really had intended to kind of walk through the entire passage, and, um, and my wife knows this afternoon, uh, again, there's just uh, some things that have been uh, gnawing at my mind and my, my heart from this verse, and so um, I just want to spend a little bit of time and share them with you. I'm going to kind of start my message, but um, as you notice, I don't have the electronic one because I had to type in and put some other things in. So I'm hoping that, uh, that things will flow carefully. But here's the challenge that I got. If I, were to, if I were to ask you what's the most important chapter in the book of Exodus, uh, chances are your answer would have been Exodus 20. Because in Exodus 20, we find Ten Commandments. And I would have been quick to agree with you, but the more time I've spent thinking about what God said in chapter 19 and verse 5, the more I realize that what God said in chapter 19 and verse 5 is more important than Exodus chapter 20. Not more important in the sense that we don't have things from God to follow. But if you don't do chapter 19 or verse 5, chapter 20 doesn't matter. It's no good. It's of no value whatsoever. Really, if I were to say what is the crux of the book of Exodus, what would be the most important, crucial truth that we could learn? It would be those three words. Obey God's voice. And this isn't a message that we're shocked to hear. We know and we understand it, but it's amazing how many times God brings this up with the children of Israel. And actually, quite honestly, if we took the time, and we're not going to tonight because I have plenty to say just from the chapter, but if we were to go through the Bible, we would find this concept and this idea found in just about every portion of Scripture. God just keeps emphasizing and driving home, I've got a message for you. You need to hear my message. You need to do my message. 
And, and, and tonight, quite frankly, if we were to walk through the passage and you didn't get verse 5, you would miss the most important point in this chapter, and I argue in the entire book, because anything God says, if you don't listen to it, doesn't matter. If you don't do anything with it, it doesn't matter. So you can have the Ten Commandments, you could have a hundred commandments, you could have a thousand commandments, you can have 15 million commandments, but if no one pays attention to any of them, and you don't obey the voice of God, they really, really are not of any value whatsoever. Not because they didn't come from a great source, but because if you're not willing to do it, and if you don't hear it, and, they, and you don't know this command or heed this command, quite honestly, they will be of absolutely no value to you. So this message God gave to his people that day is quite frankly the call to the church. Now, it's not stated exactly in that way, but I, we could argue, I think, readily that Romans 12, 1 and 2 is a challenge to this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed the renewing of, by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What is our goal and what is our purpose in life? To prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And that is found in the word of God, and it only is going to happen when we surrender and say, okay, God, I will obey your voice. And although not worded that way in Romans 12, and not worded that way probably many times in the New Testament, Quite frankly, the statement is made in probably every book of the New Testament we could find somewhere where God challenges us to obey his voice in some way, in some shape, in some form. Because it's been the call of God, it was to Adam and Eve, I, you can eat any tree, but there's one tree I don't want you to eat of, and the day you eat thereof, you'll, you'll surely die. You going to obey my voice or not? And it only took them, uh, it took them less than a chapter, it took them just a few verses before man said, no, I'm not going to obey your voice. And that has been our, that has been mankind's problem from the very start, from the very beginning. And so, uh, again, I got, I got hung up on three words in an entire chapter, and I'm sorry about that, but you're going to have to suffer through it. I want you to think through, <laughs> suffer through, that sounds really good. I hope it's not suffering, all right? But I do hope to challenge you about this thought. And ask yourself the question, am I obeying his voice? Because, you know, we criticize Israel all the time. I mean, I'm doing it all the time. I look at him and I say, look at him again. <laughs> Not obeying the voice of the Lord. And, and here's the thing. Um, if, if someone were to flash my life up on the screen like the children of Israel is flashed in the Bible, um, they would probably be saying the same thing about me that I say about Israel. Look at that guy. I'm thankful it's not going to be flashed up on the screen. You don't have anything. You do have some incriminating pictures, I know, but uh, you don't have anything you're going to flash on the screen to. But, but here's, here's the truth, and it's not just my life. It's your life as well. And what we criticize them for is something that we all struggle with. This is a battle of life. Obey my voice. Three words sounds so simple, doesn't it? But it really is the crux of Christian living. It is the, it is the, the crux of the entire Bible. Obey God's voice. What is the whole duty of man? Come on. I, see, I'm trying to, to bring home this, this thought that is driven home in just that, 
that one statement. What is the whole duty of man? Fear God and keep his commands, or obey his voice. Really, that, that's it. Okay? I reverence God, so I'm going to keep his, his commandments. Obey his voice. So the question is, are you doing that? And if you get nothing else from Exodus 19, you will have the most important point in that chapter. You will also have the most important point in the entire book of Exodus, and quite frankly, the message that's found throughout the entire Bible. Obey God's voice. And that truth did jump out, and that truth is something we're going to consider uh, from the Word of God. Let me go ahead and read the first five verses or so and kind of get us into the text and what's going on here in this passage. In the third month, when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day came they into the wilderness of Sinai, for they were departed from Rephidim and were come to the desert of Sinai. Remember there, we got Rephidim, we had uh, we've had these different places that we've had along the way thus far. Now we are to Mount Sinai, uh, or the wilderness of Sinai, and the mountain where Moses goes up and meets with God. And they were come to the desert of Sinai there in verse 2, had pitched in the wilderness, and there Israel camped before the mount. And Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bare you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. Now therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed, and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. And by the way, that's what Moses did. He shares this with the children of Israel. If you were to read the rest of the chapter, you see the children of Israel respond to it. And then we have a couple things that took place that led to Moses going up to meet with God in the mount and hear from God. And what is interesting is God said, obey my voice. But God didn't, God did speak to them, but he didn't speak the law. You know what he ultimately, he did, we don't even know what he said. God did not give the law to them. He gave the law to Moses. And Moses went down and told the people what God had said, which, by the way, is also something else for our consideration. But tonight, let's just kind of get to verse 5 and then probably park it on verse 5 for a little bit. And I want you to think about that statement. Um, now, obey my voice. Uh, first, in verses 1 to 3, we see a, a man, and actually it indicates a communion with God. This chapter uh, lead, leads to Moses receiving the Ten Commandments. He spent 40 days in the mount, and uh, by the way, we know some things happened. <laughs> in 40 days, they stopped obeying the voice of the Lord, right? When, when Moses came down, what was going on? Yeah, okay, they were, they were worshiping a false image, a, 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 an, a, a calf that they, had, that they had made of their own, of their own hands. And uh, Aaron had made, and the people were worshiping that calf. But Moses spent 40 days communing, communing with God. And, um, and it's an amazing thing because he received God's instruction so he could tell God's people what they needed to know so they could obey his voice. Um, now, I really, I, I'd like to, you could go off on so many rabbit trails in chapter 19. Um, 
just the wonderful blessing that Moses had communing with God. And we could talk about how believers today are to commune with God. And I'm not going to seek to, if you would, spiritualize the text. Uh, but there are challenges just in those first uh, three verses. Moses spent 40 days with God in the Mount, which commenced here. He had opportunity like no one else had. And we don't want to say that anyone will ever speak with God like he did or hear from God and know that kind of intimacy with God. But I will say this, that God's spirit dwells within us today. And we enjoy a wonderful privilege as God's people. And there is just kind of a, a, a wonderful, if you would, parallel or at least a, a, a picture of what believers need to, need to do. We need to... Um, we need to spend time with God, and we need to know God intimately. And Moses had that wonderful experience uh, in verses 1 to 3, and we could read about it. Actually, there's a number of interesting things all the way through, and I had time. I had that in the notes, but we're going to go on, all right? I want you to also look at, so those in the first three verses. In verse 4, if we were going to explain it, so we have a communion with God, verses 1 to 3. We have, if we're walking through the chapter, the conduct of God. Look in verse 4, because before God says, obey my voice, he explains why. Why should they obey, obey God's voice? So you tell me, look at verse 4. Why should they obey God's voice? Okay, because they saw God's judgment on the Egyptians. Okay, first thing. Is there another reason in there? Because God delivered them. Very good. Are you going to say that? Okay. All right, so yes, because God delivered them. I, uh, there's, there's a couple things, though, here the conduct about the conduct of God. First, he carried them. Two aspects of God's care for Israel. First, and I'm glad it was mentioned, he, they saw what God did to the Egyptians. Look, my friends, God is the judge of all the earth. He puts one up, he puts another down. In fact, uh, David wrote it this way in Psalm 75, For promotion cometh neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south, but God is the judge. He putteth down one and setteth up another. Our God rules in the heaven and earth. And God proved to the children of Israel that he does rule, that he is in charge. And that although there was a, there was a group of people that were far mightier than the children of Israel, because they hadn't been trained in war or anything else, although the Egyptians and Pharaoh had the ability to keep them under their, if you were, their care and their control, and they could do things such as throw their babies into a river. Though they had that kind of power, God's power was greater to judge them and actually to cause the, Egyptian, uh, the children of Israel to spoil the Egyptians when they left so that the Egyptians were given, you know, it's like, Hey, you know, I've always, like, can you imagine, I, if I was a child of, of Israel, and I know, you know, they were in, in challenge to do this, the Egyptians were like, they were having a fire sale when the, the Israelites were going. You know, I've always admired that, that ruby that you wear on your finger, ma'am. Oh, have it. You know, I, I mean, I think I would have been going door to door. This would have been a great thing. Every Egyptian I know I'm going to be visiting because I want to ask him for something. Hey, you know, I always admire all the money you have. Give me it. Sure. You know, they did. They spoiled the Egyptians. Who could have done that? Come on. Who could have possibly done that? Who could have given these people, put such a fear of God in this nation that was so proud 
that they would actually give their things away to the children of Israel. And God took care of that. So God judged the Egyptians. He, he actually just decimated them through, through the many plagues. And then as well, he, he basically had them robbed blind. And they gave it. Can I borrow, can I borrow that? Can I borrow your diamond? <laughs> sure. <laughs> I never use it anyway. I, you know, it's just like, uh, it, what a sight. This must, it was truly an amazing thing. And God was the one. Don't be mistaken. God was the one that did it. So look, the response should be, wow, I want to listen to God. I mean, that makes sense, doesn't it? If God could do something like that, then, you know, you should naturally say that. Then if you look at this, that's, that, that first part is amazing in itself. But the way verse 4 is worded, and I bear you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. So we see the mighty power of God as the judge of the earth, but then we see the tender compassion of God to deliver Israel and carry them to the place where they would meet with God. Look, where is Israel without the help of God? Where they're still in bondage. We say, well, God, if God delivered them, and they, uh, where are they? Um, if if God just did what He did to the Egyptians, well, they're still on the other side of the Red Sea, right? So someone had to get them through, and God did that. God carried them through, um, and then you get into the wilderness, and and where are they if God didn't give them water? And where are they if God didn't give them food? And, and where are they if God didn't give them direction? So we have, we have a God who carried them along. Every need they had, he provided. Um, again, I, you, you want to just spiritualize the text. You want to say, this is what he's done for you. Now, he's relating what he did for, for Israel, but... Actually, these things are true for us. He's proven himself mighty as the mighty God throughout our lives. But if anything, we could say the same thing, that throughout life, God has carried and met every need that we have ever had. And so when we hear the command to obey his voice as it's given throughout Scripture, uh, we should come with the very same reverence that the children of Israel did, by the way, in this chapter to say, yes, Lord. We're going to obey your voice. It, he deserves it. And the conduct of God is so clear in this passage. You know, we live in a day where Christians, and, and, and quite frankly, <laughs> as you look at Israel and you look at church history, um, where Christians seem to have a, a hold God almost in, in contempt. Now, no one would say that, but there really is an attitude among, among uh, this, uh, this new kind of Christianity today that basically says, don't tell me that I need to do something in my life. Don't tell me I need, to, I need to dress in a certain way. Don't tell me I need to act in a certain way. Don't give me any commands from God. Just tell me about the love of God and how wonderful he is to me and how much he loves me, that he died for me, and I'm so valuable. And that's the kind of thing people want to hear. Um, it, it's like, uh, uh, it's just... Uh, oh, well, uh, it's like the example of a pastor who went to visit uh, uh, a church visitor 
uh, on, uh, on a Monday or Tuesday after Sunday services. And the man was out in the front yard holding a beer, drinking the beer when the preacher uh, arrived. He didn't put the beer away or anything else. And when the pastor was talking to him about his standing with God, he gave testament to being saved. And yet he stood there holding a beer in his hand in the, in the front yard. Now look, abstaining from alcohol doesn't make one saved. We understand that. But the, the gall of a man to, to stand in, in, in clear view of everyone drinking a beer, which is, is not a wonderful testimony of the difference Jesus Christ makes, and to act like I'm a fine Christian who loves the Lord and I'm serving the Lord and everything else is, is, is really the kind of attitude that, um, that says I'm not going to obey God's voice. Um, it's an attitude that says I can be like the world if I want to and have Christ as well and don't tell me what to do. And yet God's command is obey my voice. And we have reason to do it because God has been so good. He just like, I, I mean, God carried Israel. Everything they had was, was totally because of the goodness of God and my friends, everything you and I have is totally because of the goodness of God. And our attitude should be, okay, God, what have you said? I'll do it. Um, so he carried, by the way, he controls. Look at the end of verse 5. There's another reason why we should obey. And, and God references this at the end of the, that verse. It's, it's a powerful statement. What does God say? All the earth is mine. I'm God. So if you don't get the other message, if you can't say, well, he's carried me throughout life and, and, and God has dealt with my enemies, all right? If, if you couldn't even say that, the Lord said, the earth is mine. Obey my voice. I mean, look, that, that, should, be, that should be enough, right? Ownership. By, by the way, again, we can make an application to Christians today. What? Know you not? That your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which you have of God, and... You're not your own. You're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are his. Obey my voice. Uh, so he is, the, he is the God. All the earth is his. Everything is his. You know, when someone owns something, they should be able to do with it what they want. Now, I know that that isn't true. Um, our, 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 um, our nephew lives in a subdivision where they have uh, restriction of rules. I, 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 I hate homeowners associations. I'm not, I, I, I will not hide my disdain for them. I despise them. And if you are a leader in one, I'm sorry, I don't mean to offend you, but I despise homeowners associations. Anyway, um, yeah, that, that was free. Just wanted you to get that one. All right. Uh, the, when, when my nephew uh, started his church years ago. Yeah, if, if you don't know how I stand on that, you can ask me later. I'll tell you. All right. um, but they started a church. They met in their home on Wednesday for Wednesday services. Uh, a short time after they did that, someone came to the door and said, you can no longer hold your meetings in your house. Um, now, I, I know things can get out of hand, and I understand that, but it amazes me that someone can own their own home and be told, by a few other people that don't like it, you can't have people in your house. You know, it'd be kind of like if someone wanted to have people over every week in their home. It's my home. 
hello, it's my home. But somehow, my home isn't my home if there's a homeowner's association. See, there we, there we go. My things are not my things any longer. Uh, in, in America, that's, uh, that's the way it is. We, okay, see, I could get off on that subject. But look, when someone owns something, they should be able to use it in a way that which is right. And I, I get the fact that there needs to be at least some regulations and rules. I, I get that. I understand that. I'm not trying to deny that uh, sometimes people will abuse and use things in a wrong way. But, uh, but look, when, when someone owns something, they should have the right to it. And, and God does state in verse 5, the earth is mine. Everything is mine. So look, I, I have the right to tell you, obey my voice. And we need to live with that reality. So uh, we see the conduct of God and uh, the fact that he carried them, he controls all things, and he has the right to tell us this. Now, verse 5 I wrote down, and, and the third point for the outline was the call of God. And what is the call of God? Obey my voice. All right, let's say it together. Make sure we get all right. Obey my voice. Um, and it's an amazing thing. After all he's done for me, after all he's done for me, the chorus says, how can I do less than give him my best and live for him completely? After all he's done for me. Um, you know, uh, that's should be our attitude. I think I've shared this before, but someone wrote, whenever I take the opportunity to actively love God in personal obedience, I end up sensing a new tenderness in my heart toward him, a stronger resolve to obey again the next time. Obedience is not an end, but a means, a means to express our love to God and a means to increase our love for God. It is a catalyst in the process of loving God and becoming more like Jesus. God calls upon us to obey. Again, I argue this is the most important verse in Exodus um, because the commands are no value without a people who are listening. Now, can I, can I prove that? And this is interesting to me, and this is kind of where I, I got, we're going off on a rabbit trail, okay? But let's just take a couple minutes. Go back to Exodus chapter 15 and look at what God told the children of Israel. After God provides uh, water for them at Marah, right? Look in verse 26. And he said, if thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice, of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments. So this is something, and God says, I, I, none of these diseases. Oh, you've read that book, right? You've seen that book or whatever. None of these diseases. You know, but um, God promised Israel something, but it all goes back to what? That, that command. So look, chapter 19 isn't the first time this is introduced. God already challenged them about obeying his voice. And this, again, has been something that's been found throughout history. God spoke about the importance of that obedience. Look, if you would, in Deuteronomy chapter 5. And I'll share with you in a few minutes why this verse, especially, and this truth, especially stuck in my mind, because we'll get somewhere 
that uh, I think you'll see it. I hope you'll see it. In Deuteronomy chapter 5 and in verse 33, what, is, what does God tell us there? He doesn't mention his voice, I know, but he's sharing the same truth that he shares in verse 5. What are you supposed to do? Verse 33, walk in all the ways of the Lord. Look, in, if you would, at chapter 6 and in verse 3. And what are we supposed to do? Uh, observe to do it. Very good. Look in chapter 11 and verse 27. And what does God challenge? And what does God say a blessing? He talks about the blessings and curses, right? What is the, what is the blessing? If you obey the commandments of the Lord, uh, your God, which I command you this day. So this theme is found throughout, right? Okay, you say, well, wait a second. That doesn't have anything to do with hearing his voice. Uh, okay, I'm glad you said that. So look, if you would, in uh, chapter 13. Ye shall walk, verse 4. Ye shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice. Uh, you say, oh, come on, that's just this one mention. All right, go to chapter 30 of Deuteronomy. Go to chapter 30, if you would. Chapter 30, in verse 2, he says, And shalt return unto the Lord thy God, and shalt obey his voice. Look in verse 8. And thou shalt return and obey the voice of the Lord. And look at verse 20. That thou mayest love the Lord thy God, and that thou wayest. All right. Over and over, we see this thought. But you know what's interesting to me? When Jeremiah spoke to the children of Israel, he didn't point to Exodus 20 and their disobedience. He pointed back to Exodus chapter 19. He said, you haven't obeyed the voice of God. Look, if you would, in Jeremiah chapter 7, I've been reading the book of Jeremiah and uh, came across chapter 7 just a few days ago. And the verse had already been on my mind because we're, we're in that. And it's amazing how Jeremiah points them back to uh, what's, uh, what was going on. Verse 21, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, put your burnt offerings uh, unto, put your burnt offerings unto your sacrifices and eat flesh. For I spake not unto your fathers, nor commanded them in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt concerning burnt offerings or sacrifices. But this thing commanded I them, saying. Is that not amazing? Look, he didn't say, you haven't obeyed the Ten Commandments. He said, you haven't obeyed God's voice, which is disobeying the Ten Commandments. I know that. I understand that. I'm not trying to say they're separate things. They ultimately were the same. But it all goes back to what God talked about in Exodus 19. And that's why I say that is the most important verse in the, in the, in the book. He said, you haven't obeyed God's voice. And you know what they had said in verses 8 and 9 of Exodus chapter 19? Lord, we will obey your voice. And we know what happened from there. Okay. But uh, that's, what he, he, that's what he brought out. And uh, 
Uh, he said in verse 24 of that same ex uh, Jeremiah, sorry, chapter 7. But they hearkened not, nor inclined their ear, but walked in the counsels and in the imagination of their evil heart and went backward and not forward. Since the day that your fathers came forth out of the land of Egypt, unto this day I have been sent unto you all my servants the prophets, daily rising up early uh, and sending them. Yet they hearkened not unto me, nor inclined their ear, but hardened their necks and did worse than their fathers. They didn't obey God's voice. Now you say, okay, that, that's just a fluke. Thank you. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 11. Jeremiah chapter 11. We're talking now about hundreds of years later, right? In Jeremiah chapter 11... Look at verse 4. Uh, well, and say unto them, verse 3, Now unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Cursed be the man that obeyeth not the words of this covenant, which I commanded your fathers in the day that I brought them forth out of the land of Egypt from the iron furnace, saying, Where did it start? Chapter 19, verse 5. Obey my voice and do them according to all that I command you. So shall ye be my people. I will be your God. Um, verse 7, for I earnestly protested unto your fathers in the day that I brought them out of, up out of the land of Egypt, even unto this day, rising early and protesting, saying, obey my voice. Do, do you know what he said in verse 7? This is interesting. I brought them out of the land of Egypt. And what's the next phrase? Uh, even unto this day. You know what God's message to the children of Israel had been since that day and all the way up to now where Jeremiah was standing before God's people saying, you haven't obeyed God's voice. You know what God had sent? Every prophet said the same thing. Obey God's voice. I, I don't know about you, but that's, that has been just driven home uh, to my mind that this was the message. This was the responsibility. It was like, like the one thing you got to do. This is just it. This is it. Sum it all up. And quite frankly, it's the one thing you and I still have to do today. And I know the message was to Israel, and I'm not trying to, to spiritualize the text, but throughout Scripture, this has been the message. The message hasn't changed. The voice of God spoke to Adam and Eve, and throughout history, the voice of God has spoken, and the command has been the same. And, and, and you and I, if we would just get a hold of that, that truth... Obey his voice, and I am going to have the attitude, I'm going to obey his voice because of all he's done, because of who he is. I'm just going to obey his voice. My friends, you and I will just be in a lot better shape if we would do that. Now, um, there's been a lot that's, that's come into my thoughts that, boy, okay, I'm going to take a couple minutes and do this. It's just been us here tonight, all right? I'm, I'm having a good time. Maybe you're not, but I'm, I'm having a good time. Uh, sharing with you what, what God has really, really driven home to my heart and mind. But there's some things that came to my mind about this statement. First, if a God calls upon us to obey his voice, then we have to assume God has spoken. And, and truly, then, the greatest responsibility that all men have in life is to find out where God has spoken and follow it. No, that's going to require faith. But if God's word and God's command from Adam and Eve all the way through the entire Bible has been obey my voice, then I've got to say God has spoken, and I've got to find where he's spoken. Now, 
we already know where that is, okay? But ultimately, then, the responsibility is mine is to find out where God has spoken in his word, and we need to make, then, his word the most important thing in our life. Um, it's our role to first believe that he has spoken because he told us to obey his voice, find out where his message is found, and seek with all our might to learn it. So that tells me this. Um, if I'm a Christian who doesn't read the Bible, when I can readily have the word of God in front of me and learn what he has said so I can obey his voice, I am a failure as a Christian. I need to be in this book every day. Because God's command, his, I mean, all right, if we're going to say, what, what is the message of God to all men? Three words, obey my voice. And if it is, then, then we assume God has spoken. We need to find out where. Once we find out where, we need to get into it, and we need to dig into it. By the way, God said to the children of Israel, he had spoken that message, obey my voice, from the time he gave the command in Exodus chapter 19, are you, are, you, are you seeing this picture? We're talking about hundreds and hundreds of years to Jeremiah, and God had said the message, obey my voice. Where and how did God give that message, obey my voice? Can I tell you? I, I, okay. I, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> through his prophets, through those who had been given the responsibility to sh share forth the word of God. That was it. They didn't have Bibles couldn't open their Bible and read it. It was through God's spokespeople. Here's God's truth for you. Isaiah said that. Jeremiah said that. I mean, we can talk about all the minor prophets, the major prophets, the every other prophet that was found throughout history. The, the judges, they all came and they said, this, they said the same message. It was the message God gave to Israel. And it's the message God gives us today. It really is just the most important thing. And so God has spoken. I need to find out where God has spoken. And my role in life is then to seek with all my might to learn what God has said so I might do it. Now, this might sound like a strange connection. The second thought that came to mind is that if God has spoken, I want to make sure that I have what God has spoken. And I know, boy, this, this may seem like a, like a real stretch. But Bible translations are an issue because many of them are not telling me what God has spoken. They're telling me what people think God has said. And rather than trying to give me, and I, I've had good friends, honestly, I've, I, have, I have good friends even yet today that I'm thankful for and I appreciate who say, I don't understand the Bible translation issue. One of the huge issues about Bible translations is the fact that God has spoken and we need to make sure we have what God has spoken, not what people think God has spoken. So that I, I wanna make sure I have a translation that, that takes what God has spoken and gives it to me in language, in, in the language that I understand. And, uh, and so what translation a person uses is vitally important. Now, you might have thought we could never get there from Exodus chapter 19, but it's true. If God has spoken, 
I got to find out what God has said, and I need to make sure that I have God's message. And quite frankly, as a pastor, I don't want to preach from a book that has already told me what God said. I want to have what God says because my responsibility is to help you understand what God has said. Because you can't obey his voice unless, unless that is done. And so uh, it, is, it is an amazing thing that, that, that people don't care or don't understand and don't grasp that simple concept. God has spoken. And his words are important. Finally important because I'm supposed to obey them. So I don't want a translation that just gives me what people think God has said or what, what is understandable to mankind because this is how we believe we should present it. But I want something that says, this is what God said. And we, we have taken the very words of God and we put them in the, in the structure of the English language um, so that you can see what God has said, not what we think God has said. That, that, is, uh, that, that was free, but it just been something that, that stood out and came to mind. Um, and then uh, the, the, the third truth that kind of has been driven home, if my sole duty is to hear and obey, then that makes, to me, and you say, well, you're a pastor, right? but that makes church vitally important to me. Um, that makes revival services vitally important to me. It makes special meetings anytime where God's people can meet together and hear the word of God really important to me. It makes opening my Bible on a daily basis really important to me. Um, that makes um, uh, just uh, regular time with God just essential because that's my duty. Now, I, I, I know some might say, you know, Pastor, you just you, you went way off on a rabbit trail in Exodus chapter 19. And, and fair enough, if you want to argue that, uh, that's fine. But uh, that truth in verse 5, quite frankly, is what God drove home to the children of Israel over and over and over through hundreds of years of history, sending person after person saying, obey voice and if we don't think that that is important to us today then we honestly are fooled that is our job and our responsibility and if we didn't see it with Adam and Eve if we didn't see it through the rest of scripture I'd say it's just a statement but it's not it really is it's the rest of life it's what it's all about and I hope you'll be challenged as I have not just to know that, but to get serious about that and um, to take it real seriously because that is the great duty of man. You asked me today, and I would have said something different probably just a week or two ago, but you asked me today what is the most important verse in Exodus. I say that's Exodus 19.5. If you say, what is the most important duty that we have today? I'd say we could point to Exodus 19.5 and those three words. Obey my voice. God has spoken. Find out where he's spoken. Learn it. Follow it. Let's pray. Thanks, Lord, for your word and for um, sharing with Israel 
their great need, and in doing so, and throughout the rest of Scripture, reminding us that that was the message you told Israel, uh, reminding us that this is the great duty of man. Dear God, keep his commandments, ultimately to obey your voice and help us, Lord God, to get serious about that, to be serious about that, and to be believers who obey your voice. And, and may we um, just learn daily, step by step, to be Christians who listen to God. And I pray these things and ask them in Jesus' name. Amen.